Well, the story of Christmas is the story of waiting. When God created the world, it was good, but things have been broken. And the Bible says that the, it's like the world is in darkness and it needs a light. And the story of the Bible is the story of God promising to send the light that the world needs. And so God made these promises in the Old Testament and then the people wait for the light to come. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a brilliant pastor theologian in the 1930s and 40s who lived in Germany. He opposed the Nazi party and was imprisoned for it. He was eventually executed before the end of the war. But while he was in prison, he wrote many letters and books that were published after the war. And one of the books that he wrote was about Christmas. And so while he's in his prison cell, here's what he writes. He says, a prison cell in which one waits, hopes, and is completely dependent on the fact that the door of freedom must be opened from the outside is not a bad picture of Advent. As he's in his prison cell thinking about Christmas, he says, you know, this isn't actually a bad picture of what happens at Christmas. He realizes that as a prisoner, it's like he's trapped in darkness and the only hope that he has is somebody from outside the prison cell coming to open the door of freedom. The only hope is for someone outside to come. And he says, that's what Christmas is like. That's what Advent is like. It's like waiting and hoping that someone from the outside would come to open the door of freedom. Christmas is when the light comes. The Apostle John says it this way, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. But for the majority of people who were awaiting that promise, it required a ton of waiting. For people to walk with God, it required waiting on God. And that's still true today. Walking with God, following God, having faith in God requires waiting on God. And the reason that that's a problem is because we hate to wait, right? My daughter is 19 months old. And when we're watching football together, a commercial will come on and she'll say, no, 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 no. And then she'll say, more, more. She wants to get back to the main event. She wants to skip the commercials. And I didn't teach her to do that. Uh, she just was born that way. Uh, she hates to wait. And we're like that, aren't we? This is why um, you probably don't love calling customer service, right? Uh, because you don't want to wait on the phone. This is why traffic is a problem, right? And so our theme song could be like the Dawson's Creek theme song, right? I don't want to wait for our lives to be over. We, we don't want to wait. We hate to wait. And because we hate to wait, we tend to carry that over into our relationship with God. And that's actually one of the, the greatest challenges, I think, 
to having faith in God is having to wait on him. Because we've all experienced what it's like to be praying for things and God in response to our prayer is just very quiet. And it's easy to confuse his silence for his absence. And maybe you've prayed for something for a long time and God is not answering yet. And so to walk with him requires that you wait on him. Maybe there are expectations that you had for your life. You thought by this point in your life, you guys would have experienced this. You would have received this. You would get to do this. But that hasn't happened yet. And it's like God is the one who's responsible for that to some degree. And so God, what's the deal? What's with all of the waiting? Maybe you look around at the problems in the world and you see so much fighting, so much division, so much injustice. And it's like, God, do something now. Waiting on God is one of the, the biggest challenges to walking with God. And yet walking with God requires waiting on God. And we are not the first people who have dealt with that. That's, this has always been the way that God works with his people. God doesn't stream his plans on demand. You have to wait. And so throughout the Bible, people have had to wait on God. God made some promises to this man named Abraham and the book of Hebrews says that he only received those promises after waiting patiently. God made some promises to the nation of Israel that he would give them this land to live in, but they ended up waiting in slavery for 400 years before they could enter that land. And then after God sent a prophet to liberate them from slavery, they didn't go to the land right away, but instead they wandered for 40 years. And that was God's plan. He's the one who said, you know what? You're actually gonna wander and wait. God promised that a king would come and they waited. And then the king came and it wasn't the true king, the ultimate king. And so then they had to wait for the true king to come. And Christmas is when the king comes. Christmas is when those who are waiting in a prison cell have the light from outside come to set them free. And so Christmas, the first Christmas, an angel appears and announces there's good news. What's the good news? A savior has been born for you. He's Christ. That is, he's the, the long awaited promised Messiah. He's the Lord. God has come. That's the message of Christmas. And that night in Bethlehem, after Jesus was born, everything was fixed overnight, right? No, because, well, okay, Jesus was gonna have to grow up first. But then, I mean, after Jesus grew up, he lived in obscurity for 30 years and nobody even knew he was there except for, you know, after the first night that he was born. But then after those 30 years, then everything was fixed, right? Jesus does all of these miracles and he ends up going to the cross and dying. And then everybody who's actually started to believe maybe he is the guy, has to wait. They at least have to wait three days until he's raised from the dead. 
he sticks around for another couple months and then he goes back to heaven. And he says, I'll be back. Walking with God requires waiting on God. Even when Jesus came at Christmas, it's like we didn't get to leave the waiting room for long. It reminds me of a bit that Jerry Seinfeld tells where he says that you get, you're in a waiting room at the doctor's office and your name gets called and you're like, all right, I've been chosen. And you get all excited and then you realize that you're actually leaving the waiting room to just go into another smaller waiting room. <laughs> and that's what Christmas is like. It's like we've been waiting for the Messiah Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. He shows up and... Let me just show you to this new waiting room. Walking with God always requires waiting on God. That was true for those who were waiting for God to keep his promise to send the Messiah. And it is true for those who have chosen to identify with Jesus, the Messiah. For those who have chosen to follow Jesus, it's also true for us. To wait on God requires, and to walk with Jesus requires waiting on Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus is to be someone who waits. Listen to what Philippians chapter three, verse 20 says. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter chapter three, verse 13. But based on his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. To walk with God requires waiting on God. At Christmas, the wait was not over. But at Christmas, God gave the world assurance that he does keep his promises. At Christmas, God gave the world assurance that what I have said I will do, I will do. And so now, now that Jesus has been born, now that he was raised as a boy, he became a man. He went to a cross and he died so that those who are walking in darkness would not have to pay for the ways we've contributed to the darkness. Jesus enters the ultimate darkness of death by going to the cross. And then they wait. And then he is raised from the dead in power and in glory. And he says, hey, if you want to escape the darkness, if you want the prison cell of death to be opened, follow me. Come with me. Trust in me. Jesus says, and then he ascends to be with his father in heaven, where someday he will 
return to make all things right. So to walk with God requires waiting on God. So tonight, I said in the beginning that the goal of tonight is to have hope, for you to leave with hope. And so to wrap up tonight, I just want to share, what are you waiting for? If you repent of your sins, that is just to say, you know what? It is like my world is darkness. It is like on my own, I can't experience light. I need help from the outside. If you will repent of your sins, if you will recognize that you're in darkness, and if you will trust in Jesus as your savior, then what are you waiting for? What is the hope that is to come for you? When Jesus returns, here's what you can hope for. First, when Jesus returns, our character will be redeemed. Our character will be redeemed. If you've got things that you wish were true of you, if you've got things that you wish you could get right in your life, but it's like even on your best days, you fall short. Even on your best days, you're worse than you wanna be. Even on your best days, you're not the man or woman that you wish you were. There is hope for you. When Jesus returns, your character will be redeemed. You will be set free from the darkness that's in your soul. Here's what Colossians chapter three, verse four says. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Glory is bright. You'll be set free from the darkness that's in you. That's what you have to look forward to. But not only will Jesus redeem our character, but our bodies will also be redeemed. Our bodies will be redeemed. God is not a God that only cares about the spiritual. He also cares about the physical. And that's why when Jesus returns, our bodies will be redeemed. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He literally became a baby. It's a physical thing. Jesus died a physical death and he was raised physically from the dead. And that is your future too, if you belong to Jesus. Some of you were born with a body where you're not able to do some of the things that you would love to do. You would love to be able to fill in the blank. You would love to be able to do this thing, but just you've never been able to. Some of you carry all kinds of pain in your body. And it's been that way for years. When Jesus returns, you will be set free from that pain. Some of you know what it's like for your body to decay. For you to not be able to sing like you used to or remember things like you used to or stand in the kitchen for as long as you used to or ski like you used to. When Jesus returns, all of that will be yours. It will all be yours in Jesus. Jesus will redeem our bodies. Some of you have been carrying around some allergies 
that make your life super annoying, but in some cases, life-threatening. And you've dealt with that for years. You're not able to eat some of the things you would love to eat because of this allergy you have. When Jesus returns, all of that will be yours. He will redeem our bodies. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, we will be raised. Listen to Philippians chapter three, verse 21. When he returns, he will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Our bodies will be redeemed. When Jesus returns, creation will be redeemed. If you've ever looked around at the world and thought, why is that natural disaster happening? If you've ever wanted to be able to swim with sharks and not be in a cage, if you've ever wanted to be able to have a pet tiger and not end up on Tiger King, all of that will be yours when Jesus returns. He will literally make nature itself right. Listen to Romans chapter eight, verse 19 through 21. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. What God did for Jesus by raising him from the dead is what he will do for those who belong to Jesus, his children, God's children, and it's what he will do for the world. That's what you have to look forward to. Not only will our character be redeemed and our bodies redeemed and creation redeemed, but if people are redeemed, living in a redeemed creation, then also culture will be redeemed when Jesus returns. Culture will be redeemed. Listen to Revelation chapter 21, verses three through four. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Jesus, when he returns, will make all things new. Do you long for a society that is more peaceful and more just for all? When Jesus returns, that will be the reality because he is a great and just and wise king. And when Jesus returns, Satan will be crushed. The most fascinating thing that I've learned as I've been preparing this message is this verse right here, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 13. He, referring to Jesus, he is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. To walk with God requires waiting on God. And that is even true of Jesus. Jesus understands what it's like to be waiting on the Father's timing. And Jesus is on the edge of his seat, ready to make his enemies his footstool, referring to Satan and those who follow Satan. Jesus will come and fulfill the promise of Genesis 3. He felt the fangs and he heard the hiss on the cross, but his steps will not falter. He will crush the snake. When Jesus returns, our character will be redeemed, our bodies will, re, will be redeemed, creation will be redeemed, culture will be redeemed, and Satan will be crushed. That is what we are waiting for. And so, just as they prayed in Revelation, 
Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest to these things to you for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Jesus says, do you feel like you're in darkness? I am the promised one. I am the son of David who will make things right. I am the morning star. You feel like you're in darkness, like it's a long night and the night is not over. Look to me. I'm the morning star. Put your hope in me, Jesus says. And as the New Testament ends, he who testifies these things, speaking of Jesus, says, yes, I am coming soon. And here's what his people say. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That is our prayer too. You came in tonight with all kinds of unanswered prayers, with all kinds of things that you want for God to do in your life that it seems like he is not doing. Do not give up. Do not lose heart. If you will wait on God, you will see the morning. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for making promises and keeping them. Thank you for sending your son to be born. Thank you that he grew up, went to the cross and died. Thank you for raising him from the dead by your spirit. Thank you for receiving him back into your presence in heaven and for seating him on the throne. God, we ask that you would send him. God, we pray, come Lord Jesus. Would that be the thing that we are waiting for? Would he be the one we are waiting for? Jesus, our Lord and our savior. It's in his name that we pray.